It's Friday, July 16, 2021, and it's The Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, author, podcaster extraordinaire, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What up, though? It is, I, I'm going to do some behind the scenes here. It is the wrong time to, for us to be recording yes. a podcast. We are doing another one of those rare editions where we're flying really close to the sun. One take. <laughs> this is a one take show because we are oh, putting it is- out right after. Yeah. One take wonder. So everyone watch your mouth. And <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. that is, that's, that's how good this squad is because I, I very last minute yesterday had a little health thing and I could not make it. And th- this team rallied and we're recording at a different time. And guys, right. you know, I, I deeply appreciate it. And I will try to not pull us off the rails. But guys, there, okay, well, Cameron, why don't you tell us who's on the show? I, I got something that, that happened this week that I just feel like we need to address right at the top of the show. But why don't it's, you tell us who's we, coming? We have a great show, and it's also a not normal show. So if you listen last week, you know our roving correspondent, Tyler Huckabee, is over in Paris. And... He has tunnel vision when he's in Paris, and he only pays attention to French news, is what we learned. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, uh, this week, he's still over there, and we decided to skip relevant news this week. So that's not coming up. Uh, We have a great guest in store, though. We have Sky Jatani, who's been a friend of the show. He's an author, a speaker. He has a new book out that we talked to him about. Also, one of our favorite indie folk artists, William Fitzsimmons, joins us. He has a brand new album. You'll hear that. And at the end of the show... We have a brand new game. It's summer. People are going on road trips. I just went on one last week. It's summer road trip themed. There's a game coming up at the end of the show. You don't want to miss it. So I oh, can't wait. Oh, look at that. This is going to be a fun light show fun without show. any without any Parisian news. Thank you. <laughs> no Parisian was, news. Yeah, I you know, I don't know where I'll, I'll have to just do a deep dive on on French news websites after this. And most of it when I'm looking at what's going on in France, you know, I don't speak French, and so it's mostly no. ascertaining the situation over there just by looking at the pictures. At and, the pictures. Uh, <laughs> looks lovely. Looks lovely. Looks lovely. Looks I can't, lovely I can't actually tell what the social or political climate is, but it's a lot of people. I'll say this. French politicians appear to dress better than American ones, so that's, that's the main takeaway. That's the main headline. Look how, look how sharply tailored their clothes are. I was going to bring some lunch, lunch wine to the recording uh, with Tyler, because that's what we talked about last week but he's not even here yeah. so no you'll have to hold so down i'm just gonna stick to, <laughs> yeah, you'll have to hold down the lunch drinking fort first jamie yeah all right okay so guys real quick i okay i've been thinking about this a while and just how particularly twitter has like conditioned us just to be outraged all the time and look there's a lot to be outraged about i'm not necessarily saying that there's a righteous anger that we should have towards a lot of things that are happening in the world but i think sometimes it's going a little too far so I was, you know, I was following, you guys know my feelings about space. I think space is lame and I never want to go. It's Terrible. too expensive. Terrible. And it seems. You're, I, I do not understand this part of you. 
You, you're always up for adventures. But you like UFOs. Right. I like UFOs because they're coming to us. Okay. okay. It doesn't okay. require me to be strapped into a seat for like 10 hours. And then the pinnacle of the experience is looking out a porthole window that's barely bigger <laughs> than my head. Okay. Like I can go to an IMAX and have a way cooler space experience than, and not risk my life and have to pay like a half million dollars for, for right. a backseat ticket. Right. But, you know, this week the big news was Sir Richard Branson. The the billionaire, you know, he took the 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 first ever Virgin Galactic uh, uh, flight to kind of the edges of space, and he filmed it. And and you know, like back in the day when an astronaut would go to space, all right, when they would come down, there would be parades across the world for them. Like humanity was just like, hey, look what we did. We went to space. Okay. Richard, this is how this is how Twitter has changed. How we're just conditioned to think about hu- human achievement, right? It's like for for the past, like going to space was a big deal. Like everyone around the world was just excited that we did it. Richard Branson, this poor guy, who's you know all he wants to do is like push the limits of what we're technically possible of. As soon as he announces it, people are like, "Why don't you even not come back? Let's block Richard Branson <sighs> and everyone from going to space." Like everyone just was got insanely outraged that he was he had the audacity to go to. I'm not even a space guy, and I'm like, right. "Why do I care <laughs> that he's buying a plane to go to space? Like, why does that bother me?" They're saying. They're saying society would be better, like he could, for that billions of dollars, could wipe out hunger in a continent, sort of a thing. That They're saying society would be better if you didn't do this excessive, you know, billionaires thing. I could, say, I could say, look, look, it costs $250 million to, to make the mm. next Avengers movie. And I could say, well, Disney should have spent that money. You I, like, I, you there could say you that about anything. And then they're dogging him because he didn't, because they're like, he barely even made it to space. He made it to the edge of space. Who cares? Way to go. And it's like, when did we turn into people that just find something totally innocuous, a, mm-hmm. a wealthy person pushing technological innovation, pushing what humans mm-hmm. are capable of and just right. turn it into, well, I will be mad at him that he didn't give that money to, to people. I mean, he provided a lot of jobs for aeronautical engineers who worked on his, you know, his <laughs> spacecraft. I don't think they're complaining or their families are complaining. He, you know, and then we're like, we didn't even go high enough into space. He barely went to space. So, and it's like, it was crazy to me that Richard Branson was trending for like two days because people were mad at him for going to the edge of space. Like, that's why? Like, that's I why I think I want to see some still know. images of these people's lives that are making fun of him because he only went to the edge of space. And I want to be like, what are you doing? Like, what, what's happening in your life right now that you can make fun of someone for getting to the edge of space? Right? Like, what are we doing? I, right. Hey, hey. Like, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure <laughs> yeah, out what yeah. invention you got. Like, what, what, what are you contributing space, besides yeah, yeah you know because for but, me yeah. I, I i i guess the thing i feel like it it seems as though maybe like 2014 2015 we hit a trajectory social media wise that wasn't fun it was like it yeah. was all fun and games but around 2014 2015 ish right before the uh the election Right when campaign started, right when a lot of the uh, Black Lives Matter movements and all of that, it's like we got so conditioned to fighting that it's like now since and then also you don't have Trump in office who would often exacerbate things. It seems that we're like, okay, where's the next fight? And I'm like, 
There's not a fight, guys. My man just went to the moon. Almost Can to the moon. Can we pop yeah. some bottles of champagne? Or, I mean, went to space. Can we pop some champagne for Brody? Like, hey, the Suns are in the playoffs. That's cool. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, yeah, everybody hates the Lakers until the Lakers aren't in the playoffs. And then now everybody is mad that the, the Lakers aren't there. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, and, what, and, and, and what you do you anybody, want? And you don't hear anybody <laughs> saying, well, Chris Paul shouldn't be taking $30 million. He should give at least $20 million of that. And it's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's just finding <laughs> outrage over stuff that's like, guys, can we all just cool it here? And just like, it just all gotten so mean. And like, you can only imagine Richard Branson, like landing back down to earth. Like, dude, I'm back, guys. We did it. Humanity. I'm 75 years old. I made it to the edge of space. This is a new frontier. The first commercial, you know, like, this is a great thing. This is, And then he's like, I'm going to check my Twitter and see what everyone's saying. <laughs> no. Don't let him back to earth. Like, what did I do? What it's like? What was Richard Branson's crime? This guy had the audacity to barely go to space. <laughs> barely. Je, je, okay, Jesse. I will. Let me say this. Are let you double advocate now, Cameron? No, barely no, no. go to space. Though. I mean, <laughs> I'm not ever going to call him hen out for getting to the edge of space. But Jesse, here's my disappointment in Sir Richard Branson, who is one of my heroes. His autobiography yeah, is amazing. Oh, dude, seriously. He is a visionary. He was disruptive. He's, he's the he, man. For dude, sure. He's I'm disruptive. telling you, I love, I love him. Anyway, Jesse, here's the deal. Outer space is defined in the larger scientific community as 62 miles up. Okay. Blue yeah. Origin and all the others define it as such. Suborbital yeah. space starts at 62 miles. The FAA in America, airplanes, etc., define the edge of space or the top of our flyable uh, atmosphere to be 50 miles. Okay. Richard Branson went 52 miles, floated for four minutes, and then dipped back down. I can understand the criticism that you didn't actually go to space because you didn't cross 62 miles. Also, if you're going that close, why can't you just go a little higher and just get into actual outer space? Eight miles away. Look, I get it. Right there. It it was just disproportional outrage. It was not like (laughs) it wasn't like funny stuff. It was like. Yeah, and same thing about like, yeah, Yeah. it is same. And look, I know a lot of people have beef with Amazon, even though they probably use Amazon every day. (laughs) Every day. All all these people that are like, (laughs) hey, here's a petition to not let Jeff Bezos re enter the atmosphere. Oh, that's great. You don't like his business practices. So let's call for his murder for having the audacity (laughs) to use his own money. To, to push yeah. the limits of aeronautical technology. His own it's money. like, give me a break, guys. Give me, it's you know, crazy. Let's, let's, let's preserve our outrage for stuff that's actually outrageous and not say like, oh, you know, using, you know, American consumption to <laughs> to push the limits of technological innovation. It's, come on now. It, 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 people lose their credibility when they get so mad at a stuff that's like 50, to your point, Derek, 50 years ago, our parents, our parents would have had parties. We'd all been watching it on TV. Yeah. It was a huge deal. Yeah. And now it's like, well, that dummy couldn't even get to the, you know, it's it's like everyone, let's pump the brakes here and just, uh, you know, just have a cool moment that we can share. You know, and Jesse, I, know. I think you made a great point there. You said when you're outraged of everything, you begin to lose your credibility. And I, li- I feel that way. Like right mm. now, I'm just like mm. when everybody's mad all the time, like when there's stuff that you should actually be mad over, it's like. Oh, it's just another thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, it becomes numbing because it's just like all the time you're 
you're mad that somebody went to space or kind of went to space. Like, <laughs> kind of went to space. That's the key. Hey, not kinda only mad about it, I'm mad enough to post three tweets about why I'm mad about it to share yeah. with the world. And they're all, like, what is it, 250 characters? <laughs> it's like a whole thread. <laughs> what? Are, how is this hurting you, random person that's mad at Richard Branson? Like, how did he, how did his his low, spe- granted, he could have gone a little higher. A little higher. Something had to have happened. No, no, yeah. no. That's their plan. Their business model was to make oh. a plane that goes and just skips the edge. And and they're doing trips for $250,000. The yeah. other ones that are going into real space, those are millions, millions of dollars. Yeah. So I would pay $250,000 to go 52 miles. Up. That's their That's- business model is they fly out of the New Mexico desert. They have a big old like uh, cargo ship with the vehicle strapped to the bottom of it. And the cargo ship thing flies right up to the top of what they can do. And then your your thing will detach and has some boosters okay. and it'll go whoosh, and it'll just kind of skip over into space. Be there for four minutes and then land back in the New Mexico desert like an airplane. Uh-huh. Okay. Wow. $250,000 a seat. That that's yeah. four minutes. But, but I'm going to wait on Uber. Uber will figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we'll, be there, we'll be up there about $600. Red Bull sent that guy up there in a balloon. You're telling me that was 250 k Now, granted, he had to jump out. That was his method of returning to Earth was literally jumping. But I'm just saying it seems not. But again, you, you don't see anybody like hating on, you know, Travis Scott could roll out in like a Bugatti that costs quarter quarter mil, you know, yeah. and yeah. it's like, hey, it's his it's his money. And then, but it's like with the space thing, if I'm if I'm a, if I if if to me having a space flex of saying I've been I barely been to space, space. it's better than a Bugatti. <laughs> who am I to judge? Who am I? <laughs> I love that we started adding the adjective in front of Richard Branson went right. to space. He right. barely went to space. Yeah. Yeah. Went to space. Sort of went yeah. to space. Yeah. Sort of went to space. Almost. But the thing, yeah. Like, twi- because to your point, Derek, Twitter can be fun, man. Like, D- yeah. DiGiorno's Pizza this morning sent out like, hey, send us a new slogan. And they're fantastic. Everyone's having a good time with it. Because NBA we all know. Twitter is a great follow yeah. as well. The trash it talk is, is yeah. immaculate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, exactly. and, and I would say I would say black Twitter is fun too because yeah. we just make fun of literally everything. Like, but, but just, it's not as mean spirited. It's funny. No, you know, it's it, it's literally like being at a barbecue, yeah. right? Like it's yeah, like yeah. being at a barbecue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I say until until Richard Branson shows up and then everyone just throws him out. You should have stayed in space, Branson. <laughs> Why did you go back? <laughs> you can stay in barely space. Don't come back here. Stay in barely just space. Just out up there for the rest of your days. We no longer want you here because you barely went there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll move the show along. Stay tuned. Up next, (laughs) it's Slices. Listening to Girl Friday, the song is You're Getting a Dog. Well, today's show is brought to you by Green Chef. 
and right now, Green Chef is offering Relevant Podcast listeners $100 off their first box. You can get easy, healthy, and delicious meal kits delivered right to your door. Green Chef's expert chefs design flavorful recipes that go way beyond ordinary for a diverse array of meal plans and plenty of options to choose from each week. Make leading a healthier lifestyle easier than ever with satisfying home-cooked dinners with options that work around your lifestyle, not the other way around. I, I'm a subscriber of Green Chef. I love Green Chef. It's organic. The packing materials are biodegradable. I uh, do a paleo and keto menu. You can get all types of menus. You can do gluten-free and everything. It's great. And right now, you can go to greenchef.com slash relevant100 and use code relevant100 to get $100 off, including free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash relevant100 and use code relevant100 for $100 off with free shipping. Go do it. It's great. I love Green Chef. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Well, speaking of spending tremendous amounts of money on laughable things, um, uh, the (laughs) (laughs) Creation Museum has announced fundraising for their new project. Uh, and maybe, hey, I don't know. There's, they haven't released the design specifications, but who knows? Maybe they're going to make this thing to barely space. Maybe this, <laughs> maybe this new project will get Ken Ham to the edge of space, and him and Richard Branson, humanity just can demand that they stay there. Okay, <laughs> we'll take a Twitter poll and decide should they be welcome back to the atmosphere because the Ark Encounter has announced their next big project they're raising money for right now. Uh, they're hoping that it will be open uh, uh, in the next two to three years. It is a replica or according to them, a replica of the the Tower of Babel. Now, um I, uh, you know, of course, the Creation Museum in Kentucky is, uh, you know, founded by Ken Ham, who's a proponent of uh, kind of a very uh, sort of, I don't think it's unfair to say, rigid view of young earth creationism and and biblical literalism, especially as it pertains to uh, stories of, you know, not so much on a spiritual sense, but really in kind of a historical and scientific sense. And at the property of the Creation Museum, which uh, Cameron and I had uh, Mm -hmm. the pleasure of visiting years ago, uh, but this was prior to the construction of a replica of Noah's Ark, which is uh, currently, according to Ken Ham... In a press release released by, again, this seems dubious, but I don't know. Maybe I have I have no reason way to fact check this, and you know I can't say it's untrue. He says they're uh, attracting about uh, fifty tour buses a day to the to the museum and the ark right now. So good for them, I guess. Um, but here's what gives me a little pause. Well. You know, once again, I I don't really have an opinion about uh, people <laughs> want to donate. Yeah. To a to a to a Tower of Babel, people think this is an effective method of converting people to the gospel. Of for some, if they think that somehow this is, will effectively want people to love their neighbor, then mm-hmm. sure, why not build a large Tower of Babel? But one of their stated, oh Lord, I I don't even want to read this statement from the press release, but I don't feel like I can't not because um one this this gives me quite a bit of pause here about the Tower of Babel project. I'm going to read directly oh, no. from their press release, offering no commentary. Okay, because None. I this is not I. I, I just don't really know how to properly respond. With attendance returning to pre-pandemic levels and beyond, um, 
They're announcing future expansion expansion plans, which include a Tower of Babel attraction, which, okay, this is from their press release, which will tackle racism issues, showing how all people groups have developed from one biological race. That is part of their intended (laughs) purpose of this Tower of Babel project is they want to tackle racism here. And I... I don't. I don't know what. I don't know even what to. How to White respond to this? White people don't tackle racism, but with everything but tackling racism. <laughs> we just bought. We just changed all the different colors of the Oreos, so they all are different and diverse. Like, yeah, now yeah we, it's like, we have tackled racism now. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like okay. Well, here's one way to tackle racism. We could take an academic theory that has been studied for generations and. Uh, oh, uh, constructively look at it through the lens of academic criticism and 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 the theoretical implications of of inborn social systems that years of, of studying history, uh, sy- systemic issues, <laughs> and injustice could hopefully inform a new way of thinking about racism. Or we can or, build a tower of Babel that might solve it. <laughs> or we can build a big we can build a big tower in Kentucky and charge people to go. That might solve it too. That might solve it too. You don't know. You gotta try them both. Jesse, I didn't know where you was going with this because I I just saw the article, but I I didn't read it. I did not know. I didn't know that that either. That was a part of the pitch. Like, I mean, it's you know, it's one. You know, I I, like I said, I don't know. I don't know what the response is here. It's just, huh, huh. So that's what they're doing out there. Maybe, maybe, guys, when you get up into the tower, there's some training. There's some classes. There's there's some, you know, learning that might happen. Maybe that's what they're going to do up there in that town. I think think it'll be more like, hey, actually underneath it all, we're one race because we all have red blood. And so let's all be colorblind. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more of that message. Wow. Okay. (laughs) That's happening. That is happening. (laughs) If you want to donate, it's happening. Once again, I have no idea how to respond to this um, <laughs> other than just to throw it out into the world. And that's what I did. So I love it. I, love I mean, it. last time humanity tried to build a tower of Babel, it didn't, it didn't end work very out well. Too well. You know, it's like, I mean, you could say the same thing about the ark though. <laughs> Preemptively <laughs> building an ark without a flood did not work out well for about 99.9% of uh, the family whose last name wasn't Noah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right. What do you have, Jamie? Well, speaking of money and donating, if you don't if you don't feel inclined to donate to the Tower of Babel, I have another option for you. Okay, guys. Um, actually, a New Mexico uh, church paid off all available medical debt for the entire state of New Mexico and several Arizona counties. Wow! Is that crazy? That's amazing. Yeah. Is that yeah, that's amazing? Fire. So this church is located in Santa Fe, and they gather donations, and they partnered with. I think that we've talked about it here before. Um, RIP Medical, and it's a mm-hmm. nonprofit yeah. organization, oh. and they find families with medical debt whose incomes are less than twice the poverty level. Um, and then they paid off like millions of debt 
for over 782 households. And so this church, they take all of their donations that they get, all their tithes they get every week, and they set aside 10% of that to go for outreach and prioritizing service to others. That's like what they see. And so the church donated $15,000 to this um, agency and they work like a collection agency. So they go buy the debts, pay them off. And then each family whose medical bills are paid off, they receive a letter telling them that they don't have to do anything. There's no strings attached. It's nothing. It's just completely clears that. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in a place in your life where you had medical debt and you couldn't pay them. That will, it will ruin a family. I mean, you just, right. you can't get yeah. on top of that, you know? Yeah. And it, in this article, it also says that roughly 21 million Americans have $46 billion worth of medical debt. Mm. And then the pandemic and all these things and unemployment. And so this is really, really cool. And so this church partnered with this organization, RIP Medical Debt. And I love this story because they just changed people's lives, like literally changed people's lives um, by getting them out of that medical debt. So amazing. That's just the church doing church. good yeah. yeah you know what i'm yeah. saying like i love to hear stories like that because we i know me especially i make fun of you know us all the time but seeing these moments like this it's where you get to say you know yeah, yeah we're, we're we're doing something we're trying you know mm-hmm. people are trying there's still people out there that aren't engulfed in all this craziness and at least trying to do something good so man kudos to them And it also, I think, stories like this, you know, there's a lot of discussions constantly, and they're fair discussions about what is the role of the church and what is the role of, you know, government institutions when it comes to paying for different services, particularly ones where people's lives are in the balance, like medical care. Mm -hmm. I do think it's interesting, you know, and, and people who say, well, it should be the church's job to take care of those deficits. Let's remember here, it's literally newsworthy when a church does it. Okay, Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be the case. If you're an advocate for, hey, it's the church's job to take care of people and not necessarily, you know, social programs or government institutions, it's still literally newsworthy when churches do it on this scale. So Mm -hmm. I I, I think that, and that's not disparaging. I think it's amazing. I think it is an awesome outreach. But let's not let this be the outlier where when it happens, you know, we, that it, it makes headlines around the country. Shouldn't this be the job of, you know, especially for people who, who kind of make that? And I'm not, again, I think there's lots of discussions people can have and different opinions about it. But I do think that context is important. You know, this wiped out the debt of 782 people uh, mm-hmm. our households. Families. When the, the amount of medical debt that uh, a lot of families in the country are facing is nearly 50 billion. Like that's a, that if the church wants to step up, that that's, you know, that's a lot of money. And so uh, I, I think it's awesome that this church did this, but hopefully it sparks other churches to kind of, uh, uh, you know, find creative ways to help people that are in need, you know? And, and, and as far as like talking about impact of like your giving, the thing about me- buying up medical debt is fascinating that the hospital has basically said, or the, or the doctor or whatever has basically said, I'm never going to get this money. So right. they, they take the deal. They'll sell the bill to a debt collector to say it's a thousand dollars. They may sell it for 10 cents on the dollar. Yep. So they'll, so they'll get the doctor will get the hundred dollars. At least it's better than zero. And then the, the debt collector paid a hundred dollars for that thousand dollars that you owe, and they're going to come after you, and they'll make nine hundred dollars by getting yep. the money from you. That's why they'll negotiate. But that's oh. what's cool about RIP and the other nonprofits that are doing this is they're going in there and buying it instead of the collectors. So if you gave a dollar, that's like tenfold the impact. You know, yeah. that's yeah. the cool thing is like talking about multiplying impact. 
buying right. pennies on the dollar and changing a family's life. Come on, let's do it. And it's that's why that tangible. church donated. Yeah, they donated fifteen thousand dollars, which is a lot of money. You know, that's not saying that's not a lot of money. One point five million in debt. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So look what it did for their fifteen right. grand. Yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's a tangible way to be an impact. You know what yeah. I mean? So I love yeah. it. Yeah, All right. Awesome. What do you have, Derek? Well, mine isn't so happy. <laughs> what? Well, we're solving uh, racism. We're little, solving medical debt. So we already solved racism. <laughs> and we're solving medical debt right now. We're in the middle right, of it. it. Shout out to the yeah. Church of Nevada. But we haven't signed, we haven't figured out this climate thing. Yeah. So experts are saying we have passed the point of return and we're just going to have to live with it the way it is. So let's talk about how hot it is. I, I don't know where y'all are at in the country, but I can tell you right now in Nashville, it's ridiculous with the humidity, but that's not as bad as our people up in the uh, Northwest. So Seattle hit 108, Portland hit 117. What? Oh my gosh. There's a spot in, uh, there's a spot in Canada that hit 120. And you know, those places don't have air conditioning. You know what they I mean? Like when you go up there, because it's always it. in the exactly. 50s, they don't have yes. air conditioning. They're dying. Exactly. So the wildfire and the wildfires are going crazy. They're saying California is going to have the worst year they've had. I feel like ever. they say that every year. Like it's and just so getting worse and worse exactly. and worse. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So now it's like wildfires are so hot, they're creating their own severe lightning storms. So it's getting so hot, it's creating lightning storms. And in Sacra- the Sacramento River is so hot that it is literally cooking the salmon population to death. Mm. Oh, gosh. I love <gasps> right. salmon. I cooked Cook salmon it. to death last night. It was delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I love this, this, salmon. This is preemptively happening before it gets to your kitchen. Before it gets That's, to our house? Right? Oh, my gosh. It's preemptively happening. So they're just saying that we've, we've passed the point of return and that now um, we have to live with it and we got to find ways to, to deal with it. So, and they said that it's accelerated. Uh, there was one uh, specialist who said that um, he expected maybe mid-century that we'd get here, but we've gotten mm-hmm. here, you know, a lot faster. So, guys, we, we got to do something. We got to do something I about this it, climate. I heard, it des- I heard it described once because, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of times skeptics during a cold winter snap will be like, where's your global warming now? Yeah. You know, right, it's like yeah. crazy blizzards or something going on and whatever. And it's like, that is so ignorant because the thing about climate change is that the seesaw is just getting more extreme. Yes. So it's like, it's more harsh winters, stronger hurricanes, higher floods, yep. higher heat. It's all the above. It's just the instability of the climate is going to get more and more extreme. And that's what we're living with. And that's what's going right. to continue because it's how do you get a seesaw that's going crazy to come, come back to normal? I mean, it takes a lot of time and effort. So, do you yep. remember last year during like massive lockdown, like early on in summer? And do you remember when they would say like some of the changes they were seeing in the climate because of the way that society yes. stopped for a minute? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. And then, you know, here we are right back in it. And it felt like it took this, you know, global pandemic for people to stop and it we saw effects in our climate and it almost makes me think is it possible to see that without that you know what i mean like it, mm-hmm. now that we're on this point of no return is there is it possible to change things without this massive shutdown mm. i mean i know there's things that you can change with oil and gas all the things but yeah well what i worry about is balance um the the world has a way of balancing itself out mm-hmm. and usually if the world does it 
it does it without warning and it does it unmercifully. So yeah. I'm like, yo, if 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 Mother Earth has to say, you know what? It's too hot, guys. I got to do mm. something to cool off. You know, that's going to leave us at a huge disadvantage, you know, and that's just how the world works. So it's like, it's like, it's like my, what my mom used to say. You better fix yourself before I fix you. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> would she say that? <laughs> that means that we go we we're in the we're in a in a bad place you know and i feel like that's kind of where we're at with the earth well in part you know it's become such a unnecessarily partisan issue where you know i think the worst thing to happen in the you know climate change pr thing was it happened to be you know al gore was you know one of the early yeah and it just kind of got labeled because obviously he was a politician you know it, it was automatically associated with his political party but it wasn't always like this i mean there's a there's a clip from years ago of al gore when he was a Senator. This is long before he was, you know, the vice president under uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, you know, he was involved in these uh, basically taking core samples from glaciers to understand the atmospheric conditions of, of different sort of ages of history. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can watch this clip because he's on the 700 Club with Pat Robertson talking mm-hmm. about it. And this wow. is, you know, 20 years ago before, before, you know, at that point, this issue was just an interesting science issue that humanity should be aware of. But it became mm-hmm. partisan. And when things become partisan, you know, yep. weird lines get drawn in the sand when they have nothing to do with partisanship or really ideology or policy. This was mm-hmm. something that was appropriated, you know, in sort of this culture war unnecessarily. And it's really damaged the way that people objectively think about it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, partisanship has a tendency to poison things. But then also there was this injection of just like awful theology at one point, too, where it's like, I can't I'm not going to be arrogant enough to to believe that humanity can change something so that God designed like the atmosphere. It's like that is preposterous. That goes against one of the early principles of Scripture, which is we are stewards of creation and we absolutely have the power to destroy it. God endowed us with it when he said we you know, we we have we're we're stewards like I can go and, and kill all the grass in my yard. And it's not me saying I'm arrogant enough to be bigger than God. No, he he. He put us here, said, you guys are in charge and we're, we're, you know, if we're actively destroying it, you know, we have to come to some sort of, um, you know, realization that this this transcends partisanship. This this is a potential humanitarian catastrophe that we, we you know, th- there's no harm in reaching across the aisle or reaching across the theological spectrum to all come together to try to find a solution for here. You know, you know what just happened? We not only in this segment have solved racism, we've solved right. medical debt. With Jesse's sure. advocation, we just solved climate change and created a path for a new future. This yeah, is yeah. substantive content, people. It, yeah, it, it only I'm goes down you, from here, guys. Just check it off the list. <laughs> yeah, it, it only goes down from here, guys. Just let y'all yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no different slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Sky Chitani joins us. Listening to BB No Dollar, 
Diamond Pistols and Benet. The song is Help Herself. Well, today's show is also brought to you by the UHSM Reset 2021 Summit. These past two years have been challenging in a lot of ways, and we're all looking for some sort of reset button. And we have just what you're looking for. We Share, powered by UHSM, is bringing you the Reset 2021, a faith, mental health, and wellness virtual summit coming up Saturday, July 24th, next weekend. You don't want to miss this insightful and refreshing weekend as we hit reset to get our mind, body, and soul regrounded and back on track. The summit includes amazing speakers like Brittany Moses, Dr. Caroline Leaf, Tony Collier, Ben Corson, and so many more, as well as special performances from Jamie Grace and Morgan Harper Nichols. Register now at weshare.events.com. Check it out. Well, our guest today is Sky Jatani. Sky is an author and speaker, president of Measure the Clouds Ministries, and co-host of the Holy Post podcast, which recently had some fun reviewing our Veggie Tales theology article. Sky's hope for people is that they experience Jesus's lifestyle and practices in a tangible way. In his latest book, What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer, Sky shows readers that prayer is more than just a two-way interaction with a heavenly vending machine. We spoke to him about how our prayer lives can better reflect Jesus's personal conversations with his father. Here's our conversation with Sky Jatani. For the most part, people use prayer as a means of trying to control God. They use prayer to manipulate God to get what you want. God in that becomes a a means to an end. And in, in in pagan religion, you would see that as magic or incantation, right? You say the right magical words and the deities do what you want. You make the right sacrifices and you get the right output. And we kind of carry that into the Christian mechanics of prayer that say, it takes different forms. For example, in more sacramental or Roman Catholic traditions, it's, well, if you pray to this saint, or if you say these words, this is the outcome, or, you know, you, you bury St. Christopher or whatever it is in your yard and your house will sell and those kinds of superstitions. Even in evangelicalism, we've had, you know, the prayer of Jabez, expand my territory and, and various other forms of prayer. Um, we even take some of the parables of Jesus and fundamentally misunderstand them. So the, the prayer of the persistent widow or the the man who goes to his neighbor asking for something to serve to the the guest who came in. And we interpret that to mean that what we have to do is badger God. If we just persistently pray the same thing over and over and over again, eventually he'll give us what we want. And, And those are misreadings of those parables and what Jesus said, but it fits in that pagan vision of Prayer is a a string I pull to manipulate God to get him to do what I want. And that is the antithesis of what scripture teaches about prayer and what Jesus modeled in the way he prayed. So what then, what what is your proposed remedy? Or I guess we should say, what are the gospel's proposed remedy to this this kind of prayer? Uh, What you see Jesus modeling is not a form of prayer that is an attempt at controlling the Father, but a form of prayer which is primarily focused on relating to the Father, of communing with God. You see that in the Lord's Prayer. You see that in the parables um, that I unpack in the book. And here's the, the, the primary difference, is pagan prayer at its core is about trying to get something from God. Whereas true Christian prayer, the kind of prayer that Jesus models, sees God himself as the goal. 
it's not about what you get from God. It's about the fact that you're with God in the process of prayer, and that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate desire. By all means, in the context of that relational connection, you will have requests and desires that you make known to your Heavenly Father, and He graciously says yes very often to those things, and He also graciously says no, but that's not the centerpiece of prayer. It's it's a, a peripheral element of prayer, but it's not the core. Another way of putting it would be this. A lot of us think that prayer is primarily communicating with God, and I think what Jesus reveals to us is prayer is primarily about communing with God. Yeah. And sometimes that communion requires communication, but sometimes it doesn't. And there are forms of prayer that he practiced, that ancient Israel practiced, that the early Christians practiced, and that people still practice today, in which communication really isn't the focus at all. It's about being and abiding in the presence of God. quote that has stuck with me that I think I maybe actually first heard when I was a student at Moody there from, I believe, I believe it was the great preacher, Alistair Begg, who said that it is not prayer that works, it's God that works. To what degree do you agree with that? It's not prayer that works, it's God that works. I, I, I think I do agree with that. There's um, a chapter early in my book where I talk about the the common assumption that many of us hold and certainly non-Christians hold as well is that what makes prayer effective is the the power of the person praying right the character of the person praying the righteousness of the person praying the morality and you know spirituality of the person praying that that's what makes the difference in the outcome of prayer mm-hmm. and and Jesus has this amazing parable about the, the the persistent neighbor who keeps asking for food to feed this guest that's come along and when you properly understand that parable it's not about the persistence of the neighbor or the nagging of the neighbor or the widow, which is the, is the parable that follows. Um, it's about the character of the one being asked and their desire to be honorable and without shame. And what, what Jesus is getting at there is that the, the reason prayer is effective is not because I'm so powerful or you're so powerful in our prayer. The reason why prayer is effective is because of the character of the one to whom we pray. Mm-hmm. It's God's goodness, like a loving father. It's, it's the love of the father that answers the, the child's request. It's not that the child in and of himself or herself is, is powerful or whatever. It's the love of the father. So um, I, I, in that regard, I'd say Alistair Begg is correct, that the real um, focus of prayer is not us. It's not our crest. It's not the mechanics. It's the character of God himself, which is why ultimately our goal in prayer shouldn't be a certain outcome our goal in prayer should be god himself right um and and regardless of what the the specific request may be or the outcome of that request knowing that i have this incredible amazing invitation to live in communion with my creator and the ruler of all things like that in of itself far overshadows anything i might receive from him apart from God himself. So we just have to have that imagination expanded and and stop seeing God as a divine vending machine from whom I get things and have our imaginations expanded to the true beauty and scope and wonder of this God who invites us to commune with himself. Sky 
Guy Jatani. Make sure to check out more from that interview over at relevantmagazine.com. And stay tuned up next. William Fitzsimmons joins us. I don't know how you make go away, but I know you will. I don't know how you make go away, but I know you will. You big girl, every promise from Eden to Zion, do everything in and out of that grave. You're listening to Hillsong United, it's their new single, No You Will. Well, this week's podcast is also brought to you by Elevation Nights and Premier Productions. Elevation Nights is a new tour featuring Elevation Worship and Pastor Stephen Furtick. Elevation Nights brings the powerful worship experience of Elevation Church into arenas across the country this fall. But the tour is more than a concert. It's a full worship experience as Pastor Stephen Furtick preaches and Elevation Worship leads some of their songs, including Graves into Gardens, Rattle, The Blessing, and more. The Aid City Tour will make stops in Atlanta, Nashville, Tulsa, Fort Worth, Houston, Orlando, Sunrise, Florida, and Jacksonville. Tickets are officially available now at Elevation Nights. Go check it out, elevationnights.com. Well, joining us now is William Fitzsimmons. He's a singer-songwriter whose music offers an honest and inward look at life. In his latest album, Ready the Astronaut, he explores the highs and lows of his past by examining how those experiences will shape his future. We sat down with him to talk about his music and how writing vulnerable songs has become a sort of therapy for him, and hopefully others. Here is William Fitzsimmons. For years I watched you turn away But now it seems cliche That maybe you were young I should have let you pass Yeah, music's been, it's been pretty important over the last year But as a fan and as a, a creator of it too um yeah it just helps you i don't know sometimes it just helps you get through it's not a complete like i i don't necessarily like the idea that like music can save you even from even from a uh, coming from psychology i think music is good at like uncovering emotions that you need to process but hmm. as far as like getting to the next step I don't it's never maybe it's done that for a lot of people it's never done that for me for me it's like oh there's something I need to work on songwriting to me is like I'll write a line and then come back to it the next day and think like holy crap (laughs) that's actually like that's true like that's exactly how I'm feeling and that's so bizarre Uh but I think writing it doesn't have to be music but just writing in general allows me and I think anyone to be more honest and to reflect on that honesty than if you're just thinking about it. there's something about it just being inside your own head mm-hmm. that it, it never changes feel like there's a song that you that you got that is sort of the the handle for the whole album or is the definitive it may maybe it's the title track maybe it's not but but it but it kind of sets the tone or the course of the energy for what this project is going to be i'd say if there was one song that 
did what you were describing. I'd say it's the one, it's called No Promises. And here's the funny part. I didn't write it. Uh, that's the first song that I've ever had on one of my records, besides like a cover, you know, um, that somebody else wrote entirely. It was my friend Michael Flynn, and he had a, more than almost anybody, including me, um, he had a front seat view to my marriage falling apart, basically. And he wrote this song that was about what I was going through. And there's something about that that I think really put the record that, that that was he sent that to me before most of the record was even written you know i think i maybe had one song at that point and when i got that i was like yep this is like this is the thing really this is kind of the the launching pad point and i go from here and every song is going to reference the feelings that are in this one yeah. If somebody's not emotionally in touch with sadness, they hate my music, and I completely get it. Would you call that your currency, maybe, as an artist, is is a little more despondency? Yeah, 100%. And I don't feel, I feel zero guilt about that whatsoever. You know, when are you going to write a happy record? When are you, <laughs> you know, like, why do you write something a little more like a beat or a tempo? I mean, yeah, it's not, there's, I mean, look, I, I'm not that big to where there's even that many people saying anything on either side of it but um the answer is i don't know maybe but i really doubt it like i like writing about hard stuff like that's where i get i get joy from that i get like release from that i don't really understand happy music i like upbeat music hmm. i do I, I like some dance music and some it's fun like i'll listen to dua lipa or you know or katy perry or older taylor swift like with my kids and we'll dance and it's great it's fantastic but when i sit down by the piano or pick up the guitar or whatever it might be my yeah my mind just goes to the the, the more difficult stuff but i i mean i do that in conversation too like that's what i like i like when if somebody if i'm at the merch table after a show and somebody starts talking to me about like psychology or some hard thing they're going if they like literally like really really dark stuff if they're like like yeah my dad died two years ago and your song really meant a lot to me like let's talk about it that's the stuff for me that's where like life is you know was William Fitzsimmons. Uh, make sure to check out his new album, Ready the Astronaut. It's out now. And read our feature with him, uh, in-depth profile, in the summer issue of Relevant. It's available now. Just go to relevantmagazine.com, click on the magazine tab. It's presented ad-free by UHSM. All right, stay tuned. Up next, it's our road trip game. My house is so far from your one home. Nothing to spend my paper currency on The big man 
Declan McKenna. The song is My House. Okay. I told you at the beginning of the show that, you know, it's summer. There's a lot of road trips happening, a lot of vacations and stuff. So we wanted to do a game kind of tapping into the theme of the season. Have any of you guys been on road trips recently? Yes. And I'm going one today. Yeah. Oh, congrats. Tonight. Where Where are you you going, going, Jamie? I'm going to a lake around here, but then our family is driving to Colorado later and that would be a, a, a a road trip. That's, that's, awesome. that's a trip yeah. trip. That's a road trip that's trip. That's a trip trip, yeah. I, I got visited by a buddy the other day who, during the pandemic, bought an RV and drove uh, from... It was it was somewhere um, out that way, like Colorado-ish or, or somewhere out there. <laughs> out that way. <laughs> and he was going to do a whole East Coast road trip. It took him 30 hours to get here. And uh, actually, no, they're in Austin, Jamie. Oh. Anyway, drove 30 hours, was going to head up the coast from here. And, and he got to my house. He's like, hey, we discovered we're not RV people. Um, it just uh, <laughs> sounded great. That is a thing. Sounded great to do the RV life, but turns out just not RV people. Uh, it's, so go. maybe rent. So if you're going on a road trip, maybe rent one first because uh, it is it is a thing. It is a th- I was like, what's wrong with it? He goes, well, he's like, well, vacations are supposed to be de-stress you. And he's like, yeah. now imagine having to pack up your whole house, but having to buy items in your house that are lighter and more expensive and easy to get lost on the road. That's RV life for you. So <laughs> yep. anyway, just a little, just a little road trip pro tip there. And when Love I, that. when I was in college, I was extremely broke. And, um, I mean, like a lot of us, and there's this guy that asked me, uh, he had bought a car in North Carolina. He wanted me to drive it from North Carolina to Sacramento, California. And I did it in three, I think three to four days. I slept in the van, and if you just take I-40, you mm-hmm. take it from Asheville, North Carolina, all the way to Bakersfield, California. Really? You just go up. Yeah. It's, That's like I-10 from here. Yeah. It just goes all the way across. 40 huh. goes all the way from, from Asheville to Cali. I've done the Tulsa to Virginia Beach drive numerous times. I did it one time by myself in a straight shot. It was 22 straight hours. <laughs> See, hey, it's, hey, uh, hey, yeah. I did Tulsa. I did uh, Tulsa to Orlando by myself. 10 times, 24 hours straight through. You don't, yeah. I don't even bother to stop. Just go. Yeah. Just Red Bull and gummy bears. Pro tip. We do not advise anyone to do that. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't do that it. That's dangerous, unsafe. Eh. Bring yeah. a buddy. I was broke when I did it. You just don't, you, you just don't, you know, don't do yeah, it. Yeah. What am I going to do? Pay do for a hotel? <laughs> just, just go. I'm a college sleep, kid. I don't even Sleep wanna... in a van. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sleep under the, go to a truck stop, sleep under the car for a little bit. Last that's week. I flew uh, to Chicago and then um, took my kid to Life Fest, a Christian music festival. I learned the nation's largest Christian music festival. Um, Oh, nice. We had some uh, sponsor friends that were there. And so they're like, you should come through. We're going to have a big booth. Okay, cool. So we went and it's three hours from Chicago to uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. That's where it was, uh, which is like Life Fest. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. I've never been there before. And so. I'm road tripping. We're road tripping from Chicago to Wisconsin. And I'm telling you what, Derek, I have never seen so many fireworks stores. It is more than Tennessee, <laughs> dude. Wisconsin people, once you cross the state line, every so exit is huge fireworks. <laughs> every exit. To the point that I would point him out, like, this is crazy. And my kid was like, Dad, seriously, stop. Like, it is like it is annoying him. Because I'm like, look, fireworks. Phantom. Like, like it was crazy. I've never said it was more than the South, dude. I don't know Wisconsin, what's up with Wisconsin. 
They don't have anything to do up there. From what I understand, and someone can fact check me on this, but I'm relatively certain that between cheese and fireworks, that's about 80% of state GDP. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's pretty impressive what they have there. So good, good on them. All right. So it's time for the game. It is called. So it's not cruising USA. It's cruising the cruising Q and A. Who made Got it? it? Clark, did you make that? That was Clark. Hi, <laughs> 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 right, bro. Rock on, dog. <laughs> About three weeks of work. Yeah. Tyler wrote this game, and he and Clark conspired that the vision for it was kind of that cruising USA video game from like Sega in the oh, late eighties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cruising USA. So, cruising Q&A. There you go. All right. Uh, well, it's July, and you know what that means. Road trip. Yes, a tradition as important as the flag, mom, and the apple pie. Americans everywhere will be loading their suitcases, organizing their playlists, and firing up Google Maps for Road Trip 2021. Some will be heading west uh, to bury their toes in the sands of Laguna Beach. Others will drive south to crash the shrimp boils and jazz fests of New Orleans. And still more will head out east. There's got to be something out east. Tyler. <laughs> I just read an insult to where I live and Jesse. I'm like Ron Burgundy over here. You just put it on my teleprompter and I just say it. One good, thing. Hey, good job, Tyler. One thing all of us have in common is that we know it's about the journey, not the destination. Every highway and byway of the U.S. is littered with roadside attractions, can't miss food stops, and local haunts that are the spice that gives any good road trip its unique flavor. So, how well do you know your road trips? What follows is a trivia of America's road trip destinations and the stuff you see along the way. A sea to shining sea survey of the things to do, places to see, and selfies to take when you're on the road. So, it's each um, each person for themselves. Um, all three of you are playing. We'll go around, and I'll just kind of give you a variety of questions written by our very own Tyler Huckabee. All right, here we go. Jesse, you're up first. Okay. What is America's most popular tourist attraction by annual visitors? Is it A, the Las Vegas Strip, B, Disney World, C, Times Square, D, the Lincoln Memorial, or E, Mount Rushmore? Well, most popular I'm, tourist attraction. I, I will rule out Mount Rushmore. I'm going to say it, it's. I my I, I feel I feel like Las the Las Vegas Strip is pretty big just by virtue of geography and uh, you know the reputation it has. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Vegas. No, the answer is Times Square. Uh, oh, wow. Fifty-two million visitors annually go to Times Square. Uh, Orlando gets seventy-five million visitors, but Disney World itself only gets thirty-two. Uh, Las Vegas Strip is in a distant third with like 16 million visitors. It's so not what you're much. telling me, you're, what you're telling me is that Bubba Gump shrimp in Times Square is just killing it. They <laughs> are <laughs> killing it. it. Killing it. it. Between killing that and the Olive Garden, they, I mean, it <laughs> is a story Olive Garden, money. Jesse. Yeah. You could sit yeah. on the second floor of the Olive yeah. Garden. That's very exactly. special. It's, if you I, I get go it now. to Olive Garden in New York, we're fighting when you can go to Carmine's. We're not friends. We're yeah. not right. friends. When you can like, go to Carmine's, we're fighting. Like, yeah, we're fighting. Like it's it's the Michael Scott his, his yeah. favorite local New, uh, New York pizza spot Sabaro in Times Square you know <laughs> so. all right uh, Jamie you're up here we go true or false in the southeast corner of California just a few miles from Mexico 
You can find a small tourist attraction just outside the town of Felicity, population of 10, shaped like a pyramid that marks the official center of the world. Recognized in 1989 by the Institut Geographique National of the Government of France. True or false? I've never heard of this in my entire life, which doesn't mean anything. And I haven't traveled to California that often. I've never heard of this city. I'm going to go with false. It is true. That is the center. Oh my gracious. Of the, yeah, small of the world? Uh, this apparently. Is center of what? The official center of the world recognized by the Institut Geographique National of the Government of France. It's Can I a ask globe. A question? It's a, That's what it's I was going to say. Well, how do you find the center? How? Can it be do anywhere? It's an any. It's an, and it's an Audi. They built a pyramid. It's an Audi. It's right in the middle. I don't know. I think you could just pick anywhere to be the center That's and call it the center. We could make yeah. Murfreesboro, Tennessee the center if we want to. <laughs> yeah. Build a pyramid. It's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a circle. If you go put Audi on a circle, then that's the center. <laughs> yeah, it really does seem, it seems just, dubious it, it don't, to me. It don't make no yeah. sense. Yeah, we're going to need to talk. Then why did you do that? Uh, All right, Derek, you're up. Here we go. In 1978, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker opened Heritage USA, a Christian theme park that was at one point America's third largest park behind Disneyland and Disney World. Which of the following attractions did Heritage USA not have? Was it A, a 160-foot water slide, B, a Bible school, C, a skating rink, D, a Ferris wheel, E, a shopping mall, or F, a TV production studio? One of these things is not like the other, so I'm going to go with the uh, Bible school. Nope. The theme park actually did have a Bible school. The only thing they didn't have was the Ferris wheel. They had the water slide, and eight-year-old Cameron went on it, first of all. I remember the water slide. I ain't uh, never Bible even school. heard of this thing before. I don't even lie. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, like PTL, the televangelist. This was their theme park. Where I knew that t- is. Yeah, TV studios was. Yeah. You said it was called what? Heritage USA. I got to ask my mama about that. She would know uh, a quick, she was into A it. quick deep dive. There's a really great podcast called Spectacular Failures. And it looks at these big, ambitious, you know, uh, uh, everything from like Clear Pepsi to stuff like Heritage USA. The Heritage USA episode is well worth listening. Also, speaking of that water slide, a, f- a photo, I think it ran in Time Magazine and actually won an award that year of one of the first rides on the water slide was Jerry Falwell Sr., Doing the 160 foot water slide in a suit, uh, bap, you know, no offense, shame, Southern Baptist style. He went down. In a suit. You, know, you don't want to just play it safe with bathing suit guidelines and do the water slide in a suit like Jerry Falwell Senior did at, at Heritage USA. He, he he did a water slide in a suit, <laughs> suit and tie, suit and tie. Yep, yep. as a good right. Baptist would. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Exactly. All right, Jesse, you're up. Here we Modest go. Modest is hottest. And what? Hey, he was playing at Life Fest, by the way. <laughs> that dude was playing at Life Fest. Did he play the song? The crowd loved him. No, I didn't stay. I don't know. But the crowd was really into it. There didn't seem to be any Modest is hottest backlash. I'm just just telling you. I'm, there's I'm telling a ton you, wait, of people uh, there. Again, like I feel like I feel like the outrage cycle is getting shorter. I didn't mean that as a jab, too. everybody. I need to I need to Jamie, cover my, my bases here. Next thing you know, you're going to come <laughs> after Richard Branson for barely going to space. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesse, you're up. In what U.S. state would you be able to find the National Mustard Museum featuring 5,000 jars of prepared mustard from all over the world and taste and a tasting bar to sample exotic recipes? Is that in Kansas, New York, Delaware, or Wisconsin? Kansas, Delaware. What was New York or Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to say New York. Uh, I don't know why. I'm just going to take a shot in the dark. It just seems like geographically... 
good for mustard seeds. A lot of, lot of, lot of faith up in them parts. The answer is Wisconsin. You got to think they love their brats up there and their sausages and their That's whatever right. they put use the Makes mustard. Sense. Yeah, I I drove right by the cheese castle when I was in Wisconsin. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't stop. But, There's uh, a cheese castle. Castle, yeah, large. It's large made castle. Out, it's, it's not made out of cheese, though, is it? It's like no. It's a big it's, building built like a castle where they sell a lot of cheese. That's oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. The cheese castle. Like, that don't it's sound like, very it's, so it's, like, it's basically like cheesecake factory. It's a big. It's a, it's a lie. There's, they're not. It's just not a factory. That that is a <laughs> that is a restaurant with an audacious menu. Hey, that with, menu is ridiculous. With more ridiculous. things than you could ever eat in your entire life. There's no way you could be good at that many dishes. Like, there's, it's impossible to be the good at that so many dishes. The menu is so big, they literally subsidize printing it with advertisements. That's how big the Cheesecake Factory is. That's not an exaggeration. It's like the phone book. It's like, hey, I, I, well, look at that. Did you know that they serve chicken fingers, mac and cheese, mini pizzas, sliders here? Also, I'm looking for a good plumber, and it says this guy's the best in town. So I'm going to give him a buzz. While you guys order up. (laughs) All right, uh, Jamie, you're up. Here we go. Possibly the strangest private home in the U.S. is Bishop Castle in Rye, Colorado. Jim Bishop has been continuously building his home, which is open to tourists, out of wood and stone every day since 1969, when he was just how old? I'm just supposed to guess a number? Guess a number. I feel like Mr. Bishop... Started this as a young man. 1969. And I, I think he would have been about 24. Oh, he was 15. 15. <gasps> oh my gosh. 15. Started building his house when he was 15. Hasn't stopped yet. All right, Derek, you're up. What is the longest road in America? Longest road in America. Bear in mind, these roads aren't necessarily as the crow flies, but you know, they, they, yeah, it's the same road. Is it US 20 going from Boston to Newport, Oregon? U.S. 6, going from Provincetown, Mass., to Bishop, California. U.S. 30, going uh, spanning the Pacific Ocean in Astoria, Oregon, to the Atlantic Ocean in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Or Interstate 80, going from San Francisco to Teaneck, New Jersey. Longest road in America. When in doubt, go with C. What was C? C was Third U.S. One. 30, going the Pacific Ocean in Astoria, Oregon. To the Atlantic Ocean, Atlantic City, Jersey. No, the correct answer, US 20, going from Boston to Newport. There you go. Okay, I don't want to be picky, and I've never thought about uh-huh. this. Uh-huh. Technically, technically, mm-hmm. isn't there only one long road in this country? I mean, they're all connected. You know, like, that. to me, that is one long branching road. If I'm on a technicality, any road's the longest road, because we're all one big long one. They're all connected, right? I mean, I mean... I, Otherwise, well, I mean, how would you get any? How, I forty five crosses I twenty, and right? Is yeah, that but, what you're, you're, but you're yeah. changing roads at that point, Jesse. They change names. It's not like I mean, yes, correct. It is all sometimes arbitrarily. Sometimes arbitrarily. Sometimes I'll be driving around. I'll be driving down a road, and then suddenly it's a different name. Okay, I got several of those that's in true. town. To me, we that's one road. And if we're gonna if we're gonna go on technicalities when the name changes, then I got questions. But technically, all these roads are connected. We got one long road in this country, whether people want to face it or not. It is the, my <laughs> cul-de-sac. Can, same road that connects all you guys. I'm pretty sure. Tyler, I'm pretty why certain. did he do? Why did Tyler do this to us? That's right. All right, last <laughs> round. Here we go. What's the score, to, uh, Clark? Zero to zero to zero. <laughs> Here we go. Jesse. I'm, I'm about to win this game. It's easy. Here we go. Jesse, true or false? The Jolly Green Giant statue in Blue Earth, Minnesota predates the canned vegetable brand of the same name. True or false? That seems like something that would be true. 
It's false. <laughs> sure, why not? Hey, this man, Tyler, is the worst. <laughs> Jamie, you're up. Here we go. All right, bring it up. Final round. Here we go. Located just outside of Tonopah, Nevada, the Clown Motel features clown-themed rooms, a terrifying sign promising free internet, and truckers okay, and is directly next to what? A, a spooky cemetery. B, an old abandoned church. C, a rundown one-room schoolhouse. Or D, a forgotten carnival. This is the Clown Motel. <laughs> Jesse looks like he knows oh, the answer. I, I had okay, so I, I I do. Have you been here? Well, I do this this other uh, uh, show called List It, where people come and just do absurd lists. I had the guy who started Atlas Obscura, which is a fantastic publication and 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 uh, website, and they launched a podcast recently. And he came on. And I said, "Give me give me a list." And he said, five locations that sound like they're from a fantasy movie." And he did the Clown Motel, and I know the answer. That's why I'm so excited. Yeah. Okay, so I I won I think I I'm gonna go with the what was the last one? Rundown Carnival okay. or something? All right, yeah. The last one is was that, a Forgotten Carnival, yeah. Because mm-hmm. it feels like those would go hand in Jesse tell me no. I mean, is it the church? Yeah. I feel like a okay, spooky cemetery is the correct it's answer. A cemetery. It's a coal cemetery. miner cemetery. It's a it's a cemetery for people that were died in this creepy coal mine around the corner. So I cannot believe we have not got one answer. Not one right. No. Correct. Not it's all up because to you. Because no one's heard of these places. Man, Tyler's, I was scraping the bottom of the pot of the earth to get these questions. All right, you got this one. Here you go, Derek. Last one. You can win it all with this. Here you go. Which of the following right. real roadside attractions is the actual TripAdvisor user review from? Is this actual TripAdvisor user review from? So I'm going to read the review and then give you options. You tell me what this review is about. Here's right. the review. This is someone's personal trash project. It is not a legitimate destination, and I'm disappointed TripAdvisor even included it as an attraction. Was that about A, the mystery hole in Ansted, West Virginia, B, the UFO Welcome Center in Bowman, South Carolina, C, Hole in the Rock in Moab, Utah, or D, Garden of a Thousand Buddhas in Arley, Montana? Someone's personal trash project. We're going to go see again. When Hole in the that? Rock in Moab, Utah. No, the correct answer is the UFO Welcome Center in Bowman, South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> they, and they feel like Jesse. They ain't messing with space like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Here, you clean it up, aliens. Hey, well, in case in case of a tiebreaker, needing a tiebreaker, there's a bonus question. And since yeah. we have a three-way tie, we I do think have we a should tie. do it. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, yeah. Is, is light, do we just shout it? Is it just lightning round? Yeah. First one to tell me the correct answer after I say the four choices. The first one to call out the correct answer wins. Gotcha. Here we go. As you drive into Dragoon, Arizona, you will see a number of billboards asking the question, what is the thing? Well, what is the thing? Is it A, a crater that marks the alleged site of a UFO crash in 1954? B, the fossilized remains of a creature no archaeologist or paleontologist has been able to identify? C, a metal shed containing a number of strange items, including several actual mummies and a Rolls Royce that once transported Hitler? Or D, a literal underground club set in a cavern sporting numerous hot springs, a 24-7 poolside bar, and nightly cover bands. What is the thing? I'm going B. I'm going C. I'm going B. Going C. A metal shed containing a number of strange items, including actual mummies and a Rolls Royce that once spotted Hitler. C is the answer. Derek. 
is the winner. Hooray. <laughs> So there you go. I actually wanted to choose D because that's I want to hey, go look, to whatever that, that is. Does, that's what yeah. I wanted it to be. Underground club. <laughs> hey, look, you got to stay consistent. You know what I mean? Like, you're so bound just, to get you one. Know, you, you go get yeah. one of them. You know, you go get right, one. That'll of them. do it for the debut and probably end of. Cruising Q and A. Well, many thanks to Sky Jatani for joining us today. Uh, what if Jesus was serious about prayer is available now. So go pick up a copy. And also thanks to William Fitzsimmons for talking to us about his latest album, ready the astronaut, which is also out now. And like I mentioned, the feature with William Fitzsimmons in the summer of relevant is definitely worth reading. Go check it out at relevantmagazine.com. Click on the magazine tab and it's presented ad free by UHSM. Also, while you're at the site, make sure to sign up for our daily newsletter, uh, Relevant Today, bringing you the top five trending stories at Relevant every morning. Um, You won't miss a thing. Keep you in touch with the best of the best content that the team is putting out every day. Also, you can head over to the faith section and check out our daily devotional series, Deeper Walk, which is presented by Lumo. There's a morning devotional every weekday. You can sign up for an email, a daily email, or you can even check out the daily Deeper Walk podcast. It's awesome wherever you get your podcasts. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. Oh, and I just dropped a video. Oh, oh. And it is hot. And it's out. Push it. You got to holler at your boy. It's called Pull Up. And if you pre-say the album, we give you some lift credits. Uh, you might win some lift credits. So, you know oh, what I'm nice. saying? How that your boy? Is that this is the video that we were talking about two weeks ago, right? That we couldn't talk about. Yeah, check it out. Tell me how you feel about it. I think you're gonna love it. It's pretty funny. I get to wear wigs. Yeah, I know. What I'm saying? I liked it. I get to wear wigs. Good stuff. All right, we'll see you next week. For listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on facebook twitter and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts browse the shows on the relevant podcast network which you can find at our site and while you're there don't miss the all-new era of relevant magazine a new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com barely space don't come back here relevant podcast network everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.